Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the CoachPad and CoachPad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have uh, Coach Scott Leach. Uh, he is the head strength and conditioning coordinator at the University of Rhode Island. Coach, how you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm fresh off the assault bike. So uh, <laughs> going right now, the heart rate's elevated. I'm fired up. Let's do this. Now, just out of curiosity, you mentioned before we came here, a little competition. What was the competition? So we have, a, uh, we have a physical therapist that works with our athletes here. And he, he sent me a challenge this morning. Um, it was five minutes on the assault bike as far as you can go in five minutes. And uh, he hit two and a quarter miles. <laughs> so I was like, all right, challenge accepted. You know, he's, he's like, you got 24 hours. And uh, I had like a little 10 minute break here before we jumped on the podcast. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go out there and do it. And uh, yeah, 2.3. So, I'll, you know, I'll take the win. It was not pretty, but. <laughs> you got, you got to, hey, you got to take the dub where you can, coach. You got to take the dub where you can. This is going to be one of those days where you shower, and then when you get out of the shower, you're still sweating. It's one of those days today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you end up as the head strength conditioning co- coordinator there? So, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun story. I, you know, I enjoy telling the story a lot. I grew up in Rhode Island. Um, URI, for people that don't know or people don't know Rhode Island, it's a small state to begin with, but um, URI is at the bottom of the state. I grew up on kind of the northern side of the state. Um, but in reality, it's about 40, 45 minutes. It's not that far. Uh, so I, I grew up around URI. I used to come to campus in the summer and all that. Um, yeah, I went to a football camp here when I was a high schooler. And then, uh, you know, I, I went to school. I went to Springfield College where a lot of football coaches end up. Um, played triple option there. Had an absolute yep. blast. I was there. Um, from there, got my ma- undergrad and master's at Springfield College. And then I uh, worked at a bunch of different places. I've done internships at Brown University, University of Albany in New York, and then out at the University of Missouri. Um, I worked for five years at Merrimack College, which is north of Boston. Um, it was a D2 school, not the D1 school. Um, ran football there and a bunch of other sports. And then 2020, it was, it was a wild year for me, right at the beginning of uh, 2020, January, uh, first week of February, I had a chance to come back here as an assistant um, and why not, right? Come back home and be closer to my family back in the home state. So we did that. Um, 
did that for a year. And then the head guy that was here left and uh, opened up a spot for me. And, uh, you know, luckily enough, I got promoted to being the head guy here. Um, you know, bought a house during the pandemic, got a second dog, got engaged. We just got married, um, you know, this past spring. So uh, it's one of those things where for a long time I, I was, I was busting my butt and putting in, putting in the hours and doing the 60, 80 hours a week. And I'm like, you know, when is this going to happen? You know, when keep knocking on all these doors and when is it going to open? And, uh, you know, when the door finally did open, it, it, it just kept going, you know, and, and one, one good thing led to another. So, um, you know, I go back and I wouldn't change a thing, you know, the journey and the struggle is, is what makes it all worth it. And it's a blast to be here now and be the, the head guy in the home state. And, uh, you know, I tell our recruits that come and visit, uh, I'm not going anywhere. You know, this, this is my spot. This, you know, everyone said, no, oh, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm not, I'm home. This is it for me. I'm trying to build this thing up and, and at least make our strength conditioning department something known nationally as, you know, Hey, if you want to get better as an athlete, never mind a football player, obviously, you know, I want to help our football team because that's who I work with the most, but, um, any athlete that walks in this building, I want you to come to URI because you know that you're going to get developed at least in a strength conditioning sense. Um, but we have great coaches on staff. We have great teams here on campus. So it's a, it's a great place to be and a great time to be here. The yeah. reason I laughed when you said Springfield, I talked to Greg Webster, the OC at Springfield yesterday. So I, thought, nice. I, thought that, I just thought that was funny. Now I will be slightly funny and slightly serious here. Next question. Cause I don't know if you got on strength tra training Twitter yesterday. Um, and did you see the argument about um, whether walking was cardio yesterday? Yeah, I, I see all these arguments and uh, I, I promised myself I'm never going to get in one of those. I'm not my energy on things like that. Um, you know, I like walking. I like cardio. I like doing things harder than walking. I think for some people walking is cardio. Do I need to waste I'm tweeting about it though. No, like I'd rather, you know, I'll use Twitter to promote our guys or promote ideas or promote some of the great things our staff is doing. <laughs> I just, I, don't, I, just, I, just I don't have time for that other stuff. I just thought it was funny. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to talk to the strength and conditioning coach tomorrow. And you people are arguing over the difference of heart rate and whether what walking is. So I just thought yeah. it was funny. Um, ah. But, but the, the serious point going into the next thing is, um, Kind of as we go, because I, I mean, I looked at, um, I as, as we kind of messaged back and forth to set this up. Like, I mean, I talked to Joey G a week or two ago at this point, and like I said, he sent me some down some rabbit holes of stuff, and that led me to you. Um, and then I saw your Canva presentation. I was like, okay, that looks a lot like what we're trying to do. A lot where strength and training. I hate I hate using the word conditioning. I really do. I just hate that word. I think it's a bad misnomer. I, I prefer, like, I think we need to relabel every strength and conditioning coordinator, power and speed coaches or whatever. Um, but that's where I saw a lot of similarities between you and Joey G, you and the Feed the Cat stuff, and you and a lot of the trends of where physical development is going for, especially high school and college athletes with running, jumping, how you measure stuff. And your Canva presentation kind of mentioned, like, four main things. I think you called them your four main KPIs, um, which was your 10, the vertical, uh, bench and squat. Why are those your like the, the four measurements you kind of looked at there? So those are those are my big four, just because they're probably right now the, the easiest four things for us to consistently look at. Um, you know, with, with training, you know, we can take our squats, we can take our bench and periodically estimate out a one RM. 
Um, one of the great things we did in this past year is we were able to get Tendo units for every rack. Um, we had four, we had 14 racks in total. So we were able to get 10 more Tendos, which is great. Um, and, you know, we'll do a lot of estimated 1RMs and things like that based off how we're lifting. I don't always need to go to a 1RM to tell you if you got stronger. <laughs> you know, if you did, you know, 315 for three, and then, you know, six weeks later, you can do 315 for five. It's a or you got stronger. So um, I use that. I use relative strength. Um, that's a, a huge thing for me is, is, you know, are you strong pound for pound? And then uh, what we'll do too is we have certain thresholds. So, you know, once a guy is strong enough, you know, if we got a defensive lineman that is 300 pounds, that back squats 600 pounds, does he need to load 610 on his back to prove that he's stronger? Or at that point, if we're saying he's strong enough, he can focus on some other things. Um, and, and my thought is, you know, at, at the FCS level, at a certain point, guys are strong enough and, you know, at the FBS level, can you get a guy to 625, 650? Sure. Um, you know, our, our guys, there's there's a limit, and they reach that limit a little bit quicker than maybe some FBS and NFL guys. So, you know, once we hit that threshold, let's focus on some other stuff. Let's get our power numbers going up. Let's get our speed numbers going up. Let's make sure. Let's just improve our ratios, right? So maybe a, a body weight ratio thing. You know, can you squat 600, but now you're, you're 295 and maybe a little bit leaner? You know, we'll do body fat testing periodically too. You know, is that number getting better? Um, I'd say over time, you know, one project I'm trying to get is GPS here. That's one thing we don't have right now. So um, once I can get GPS in the building, I think that'll be pretty sweet in terms of some of our speed testing and things like that. See what we can um, improve, improve upon there. But, you know, we'll speed test at least once a week in the summer, usually once a week in the off season as well. Um, we'll jump test pretty much once a week year round. I'll use that in season to kind of gauge how we're doing. Um, the off season for sure, it's about output and trying to improve that number over time. Um, and then from there, you know, is, is our training going the right direction? You know, you said we shouldn't be conditioning and, and conditioning shouldn't be in there. You know, at the end of the day, it is a piece of it. And the summer is, is about getting them ready to handle a two hour practice, you know, four days in a row before you get an off day. Um, so there is a piece of getting in shape, um, but you don't want to get in shape while sacrificing speed and power. Yes. Right. So it's how much, how great of a shape can you be in without letting it impact and, and hurt your performance? And I think when you're, when you're doing it right, it's a very difficult job. And, you know, people say, oh, it's not hard. Just get them lift weights and go get them, go run. But to get them getting better at all these things at the same time and, and managing that is not easy. Um, so it's important to, to keep track of those things. And, and, and to, I still push a lot of conditioning. I still push a lot of that, but it, it may look a little bit different these days than, than what I did maybe a couple of years ago. Okay. I, I, my, my problem with the work is just the misnomer it gives. Like it just, it just, yeah. it just, it, to me at this point and doing this for 11 years, it just makes sound like you're just, you're running to build endurance, which is not really our point. We want, we want to develop speed while getting in shape. I think that's, yeah. it's just, that's, that's my problem with the term. I try to avoid that word when possible, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but like more specifically, like you mentioned testing there, how, what, I, I know flying tens is one of your speed tests. What else speed wise do you test? So um, we'll do static 10 yard starts on occasion. Um, and with our flight tens, um, I like to build up to a 20 year build 10 yard fly. I've kind of found that to be our sweet spot for our guys. Um, 
it's funny. I, I saw a tweet the other day. It makes me rethink everything. And somebody was like, you know, I do a five-yard build and a 10-yard fly. And then the next week I go 10-yard and then a 15 and then a 20. And, you know, Tony Holler, the Feed the Cats, Feed the Cats guy himself was like, you, you just wasted three weeks where you didn't get up to top speed. Because <laughs> if you're not going top speed, you're not going top speed. And, you know, he made a good point. So um, it's just for us, it's, it's, that's kind of our sweet spot. Um, and that's the easiest sets we can do. I, I only have one set of timing gates for our lasers. So it's got to have enough stations, got to have enough coaches, and then you got to be efficient with, you know, all right, I got to pick one test. What are we going to do? Let's go fly tens. Let everybody get one warm up on the lasers. We'll get two reps live. Um, if you got a small group and you got time for a third, we'll get a third in there. Um, and then, like I said, I, I would love to, I, I don't know enough yet. I don't, it's not that I don't know enough. I don't know how to set it up with the resources I have right now, but I would like to do some profiling at some point. I see a lot of the, a lot of the guys out there doing that force velocity profile and figuring out, you know, what are the right ways to put on sleds? Um, you know, cause we'll do resisted running. We'll, we'll get the sleds out and do resisted sprints and things like that. But um, that's kind of a rabbit hole I'm, I'm going to look into. And once we get a couple more resources that we can get enough sleds and things like that outside, I would, I would like to venture into that a little bit. Well, that's, that's the one of the things when I talked to Tony and I talked to Joey and now you, it's like, it's all relative to what our resources are, what we're able to do. Like some, like, and that's one thing Tony pointed out about, I mean, he, he knows a high school that's pretty much put a rubber mat and, rub, and rubber walls all down hallway so they can run forties during the winter. Like I can't, I don't have that resource. That's why we're mostly in the winter. We're running tents, 15s and shuttles. Um, so like I said, it's all relative to your experience. From your, from your experience, like, especially with high school's limited resources, obviously, like, tens are easy. Was there any other, like, you mentioned band runs there, resisted runs. Like, from a speed development stuff, what do you think are, especially you are in a state that deals with heavy winters, mm -hmm. and I, I'm in Ohio where it's hit or miss. What are things you think people can easily do in the winter and smaller areas for speed development that are easily accessible to high school coaches? I mean, it, it does not take much. Um, the way I typically kind of set up the winter when we're stuck inside, you know, we're lucky enough we have a 200 meter indoor track <laughs> that's got a couple of basketball courts on the inside. So even when we're inside, we still have enough room to run. Um, what I found that works for me with, with our groups is I typically do one station focused on a quality. So Monday will be acceleration, um, Wednesday will be max velocity, and then Friday will be a little bit more change of direction emphasis. Um, and that drill can be, you know, on, on our max B day, that's our, our fly 10 station. We're getting our fly 10 spin, um, on acceleration station. That might be our, our chain resisted sprints or, you know, sled loaded sprints, um, band resisted, things like that. I'll usually have a second station related to a technique drill or two that will tie into that. Um, so if we're doing accelerations, it might be kneeling starts. It might be, you know, med ball throw and chase. Um, more often than not, we'll also put maybe a plyometric and a jumps, uh, plyometric and a med ball station there too, trying to be productive with our time. Um, so it might be, all right, hey, we're going to teach on a max velocity day. We might do, um, you know, we'll teach like a high knee dribble, um, or like a, you see sometimes either hold the PVC over your head or hold the med ball out in front to work on front side mechanics. We might do a drill like that, you know, walk back paired up with maybe some hurdle jumps or plyometrics that we want to do that day. Usually on max speed, we'll probably do like a vertical emphasis on the plyometrics. Um, if we don't want to do plyometrics, we might do some med ball work just to squeeze it in there. 
And then, so that's, we'll have a, a application station, we'll have a technique station. And then I'd like to have a third station, especially in the off season and in the summer here where it's, I call it the football station, right? So it's, it's <laughs> give us a taste of what we're going to do in the spring. Give us a taste of what's coming in August. And, um, and I try and as best I can, it's not always perfect, but pair it up with what we're doing that day. So if it's going to be an acceleration day, let's use a smaller drill, uh, maybe a smaller box and, um, you know, keep the space tight. Change of direction day, it might be a one-on-one -on -one tackle drill where they have to tag off and there's a lot more room to work laterally. Uh, and then I, I had a tweet that everyone kind of saw in the winter where we did, uh, you know, 1v1, the punt returner versus the, the gunner. And the guy had to, you know, he had to run 30 yards. He had to bend around a hoop a little bit. So we added some curve running in there. And, you know, at the end of his 30 yards, he had to decelerate and then tag off on the punt returner. And the punt returner had to make a miss. So I'm still getting kind of that max velocity quality that is the theme of the day. But I'm also, again, tying it back to football. And our kids really like that. And, and when it reminds them of football, they try that much harder. Um, obviously, competition drives everything. So... You know, you'll constantly see, you know, chase races or 1v1 type drills because um, the effort's going to be very high. And then it's just my job to pick the right drills and make sure we match it up on that day. I was actually, that was going to be my next question because I, I mean, again, I would look, re look through, I've been through your Canva presentation probably four times at this point. Um, but like, I, that's the one thing I noticed when a lot of the speed development stuff, I saw a lot of football oriented drills. Um, and it makes sense, obviously. Because on a lot of those drills, you have speed, acceleration, deceleration, change of direction, and so forth. Um, where did you bring that from? How do you want to continue to modify that? Like, was that directive of, obviously, the head coach? Was that something you stole from their strength coach? And then kind of like where, I mean, obviously, resources limit everything. But where is your next avenue or point for that? Yeah, so... Um... Like I said, I was at Merrimack College and I left there January of 2020. So we had just started. We were probably a week or two into our winter workouts. Um, so I didn't get a chance to really do anything with them that winter. And then I was the assistant. So I kind of, you know, I did what I was told. I went, went with the flow and uh, I didn't have any say in the programming at that point. So that was 2020. COVID hit. Nobody was doing anything. Even 21, we played a spring season. So we didn't have an off season there. So I had two years of sitting around watching what other people were doing and also being home for COVID. I spent a lot of time kind of studying what other people were doing. And, um, you know, one of the rabbit holes was, was this contact prep stuff. Um, Andy Ryland over at USA football was doing a lot of that stuff. And we started mixing that in. And one thing our, we really liked to do when I was at Merrimack was we wanted to have drills that were competitions, you know, compete, 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 compete. And I'm, I love, I love competition. Um, but, you know, all of our stations were, okay, let's do a 5-10-5. Okay, you know, I like 5-10-5. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. Um, let's do the L drill. Okay, like, I, you know, L drill is fine. Um, it, it was four or five, six stations of those things that have no reactive component, that have no processing component, have no visual component. <laughs> and, and then when you go out and play football, you're, you're upset because, you know, the linebacker couldn't track the running back through the line of scrimmage. You know, the D lineman couldn't use his hands and separate. You know, the, the DB lost where he was in space and then gave up a big play. Um, but we didn't work on any of those things since the season ended late November, early December. 
So how can I be mad at them if I didn't work on it with them? Uh, so that was the thought process is, you know, are the drills that we're doing now going to help them this spring? And then are the drills we're doing this summer going to help them this summer? And honestly, one of the, my, the best things I probably did was that when I was at practice, because I'm at practice every day, I'm keeping tabs on everything. I started just recording videos on my phone of, of some of the drills that we were doing. And, uh, you know, our, our linebackers coaches called it uh, three blind mice where you have back to back, you pick one cone to go around and then you got to, you know, set a good angle and tag off. Or it might be a two guys go around the cones and they have to vice correctly um, the offensive player. So you need to learn how to work with a partner, make sure that we're hip to hip, make sure we vice correctly, make sure we communicate if we need to communicate. Um, and things like that just opened my eyes. It was like, I'm not doing enough of those things. Um, you know, I can, I can put a bigger engine in the Ferrari. I can put better tires on it. I can do all those things. Um, but if I don't work on the driver and all I do is just build a, a bigger, faster, stronger car, then I'm going to be sad when we don't win the race because the driver doesn't know how to operate. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, I, like I said, again, it kind of, I think the trend where people are starting to fit, head in that direction is especially the, the movements, the acceleration, deceleration. I've worked more acceleration and deceleration this off season than I have in the prior 10 years. Um, the next thing I want to talk to you about is because your, your power approach, because that's everything I skimmed on your, your Canva thing, and you've talked a little bit about it already, but like, what is your personal approach to developing power? Obviously, bench and squat are the, your two main that you've kind of talked in, but obviously, I've seen the videos, you're doing a lot more than obviously just benching and, and squatting. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. What is the URI approach to the power development? I think one thing when you when you come in here is, is you understand um, there's more, at least on our football program, there's more to it than just lifting weights. Um, you know, we spend as much time, if not more time in the summer, we actually spend more time outside on the field than we do in the weight room. I think when you do things right, the weight room can be in efficient and out of here. You don't need to live in here. Um, cause you know, sadly the guys that usually live in here end up as strength coaches. They don't end up as <laughs> players. Um, is it important to be strong? Yes, I'm not saying don't be strong, but you know, if, if you can't play football, go outside, practice football a little bit more. Um, the curls, the curls can wait. Uh, so we do a ton of, I wanna make sure we're getting sprint training in multiple times a week. I wanna make sure we're getting plyometrics and med ball work in multiple times a week. Obviously we wanna hit unilateral and bilateral jumps. We wanna hit all the different types of planes. Um, you know, we wanna start with absorbing or, or depth drops and landing forces you know, single response hurdle jumps and things like that, and then progress to a little bit more reactive, um, you know, repeat jumps or continuous jumps and things like that as we go. Uh, we're never going to put our young guys, you know, straight away on one leg jumps and things like that. We've got to make sure that we can, we can handle these things appropriately. Um, and then one thing I've kind of shifted away from it is a little bit less of the Olympic lifts and a little bit more of, uh, um, you know, our trap bar jumps, our barbell jumps or things like that. Um, not saying that cleans and snatches and things like that are wrong. I love uh, the jerks too. I think there's a benefit to them. I see the benefit to them. Um, more often than not, when push comes to shove and we're in a little bit of a time constraint, I like choosing the, the, the no-brainer option and it's not complicated to, to pick up a trap bar, jump as high as you can. And especially with access to our tendo units and our jump mats and things like that, it's not 
very difficult to get people to give a great output. Um, and then with all the limitations in season where guys are getting banged up, guys are getting beat up, we're constantly making modified um, programs just around the Olympic lifts. It's usually just the Olympic lifts that get tricky to do. Um, I don't know. I think it's just, sure, call me a lazy coach because I don't want to teach cleans, but, uh, you know, I get great effort and I get great results and our guys are happy and we're healthy and, and we're doing well. So at the end of the day, you know, you can say what you want. I don't really care. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do what's best for our guys here. And that's what I think is best right now. And it, the numbers don't lie. So that's one of those Twitter arguments all the time. I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time with that. I'm just going to, yeah. I'm going to me. I'm not going to worry about what other people say. Yeah. Now, what we're now kind of like their speech, my, our speech conversation, what record, especially with, I mean, you have, I mean, there's obviously different levels of resources and you have a lot more resources than say a high school does, but what race, what recommendations would you make for high schools for power development? Cause not, I mean, not all of us have trap bars. Not all of us have ways to measure um, peak power and speed. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the same thing with the jump mats. I would, God, I would, I'd kill for a jump mat at this point and, and, and electric electronic timers, those two things, Jesus. But um, and a, a jump mat and a laser, you go pretty far, man. It's, I know that those are like my those are my like off season wish list goals. Um, yeah. But for schools that don't necessarily have those resources, what recommendations would you meet both make for them as they look to develop power year round, uh, especially in the off season? Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific program, but like, what is there any specific lifts that you think kind of are best for and easy to teach? Are there things that you see that are common mistakes as guys come in that need fix what what where are we at with in recommendation would you make the high school power development in the in the high school level i i think high school training conditioning and, and no joke i think it's harder than college training conditioning because you need to to teach the kids the basics and you need to continue to teach the kids the basics and they're going to get bored of doing the basics and it's your job to be the bad guy that says we're going to keep doing the basics and uh you know, at least at my level, I can, I can add some variety in, I can mix some things up, but honestly, a kid needs to goblet squat for a couple of years. And it's like, he wants to graduate. He wants to do front squat. He wants to back squat. And you're not there yet. And uh, so high school is so much harder um, in terms of power development, stuff like that. So when you play around with that, once you have a great foundation with jump training, um, you know, I think it's, 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 putting them in situations where it's maximal output. Um, vertical jump is tough. You could hang something from the ceiling. I see people all the time do the, you know, we're going to hang a tennis ball off the rafters. You got to reach up, touch the tennis ball. Uh, long jumps are phenomenal. If you have a tape measure, um, talk about incredibly competitive, you know, single long jumps where you stick it, double long jumps, even triple long jumps at some point. Um, you know, we'll put guys on both sides of the tape measure and they'll go at the same time and, and, um, you know, I'm not saying fights break out, but it gets competitive sometimes about who's jumping further. Um, I think ways to, to simple ways to measure it like that um, can go a long way. And then in terms of, of loaded plyometrics, I think using percentage of body weight is a way to go around that too. Um, you know, start obviously with the bar, start with 45 pounds. And, you know, if you're going for a little bit lighter end of the force velocity curve, keep it at 45 pounds. If you feel like, you know what, hey, they, they're ready, we can go maybe a little bit heavier on the spectrum, then go 50% body weight. 50% um, body weight looks good, obviously, depending on the person. Um, you know, some of, some of your bigger offensive line, defensive line, maybe not so much, got to keep an eye on them. Um, but some of your skill guys, if they're ready for it, 
percentage of body weight is something I would play around with. Um, I don't think anybody, especially at the high school level, should go more than their body weight. I'm trying to think like a 185 pound receiver or something like that. It's a big wide receiver at the high school level, but um, you know, I think 185 is probably top top for them. So I would say something like that. If you don't have the resources to play around with, with percentage of body weight and see, try and find that sweet spot. You know, where they look athletic, they're getting some good height, but at the same time, they're also sticking that landing, and it's not so much force that they can't handle it. Yeah. But I'm in due time. Now, continue with that. Like you mentioned, the trap bar and the barbell jumps. Yep. Like I've seen that a lot this offseason, but I don't know enough about it to mess with it yet. Why was it work on? What is your approach there for using those? So I, with those exercises, um, you're still, as you jump, you're still getting that triple extension. Obviously, you know, people use the Olympic lifts because they want a powerful, explosive triple extension. Um, you know, you get it out of more of a squat pattern, whereas an Olympic lift is a little bit more of a hinge pattern. Um, that's just preference or that's just the way the nature of it is. Um, but we're getting a great triple extension. And then when coached correctly, and you're teaching them how to land. Um, you're getting a ton of force absorption there. Uh, you have to stick that landing with that extra weight. It's the same thing as a clean, right? You catch a clean, you have to absorb that force and, and stick the finish. Um, the only thing I don't like is when, when you see the trap bar jumps and they're just jumping and then they don't care about how they land. Um, you know, that's half the battle right there is can you, can you stick it and own it after you produce that force? So People do dumbbell jumps as well. It's another way to do it if you don't have access to a trap bar. Um, I like the trap bar and the dumbbell jumps because it's a little bit less impact on the spine. Yeah. Uh, just landing with the barn and back. But if it's if it's a lighter, like a, a, a speed strength phase where we're just trying to go light and jump high, um, I might mix a barbell jump in there just to give them a little bit of variety. Okay. Okay. I was just curious. How much do you mess with? And again, this is a whole other rabbit hole. I've started going down this off season and I blame Joey G for this is how much do you mess with isometrics and what, and specifically if you, when you do, what are the ones you kind of focus on? So I have not uh, implemented a ton of isometrics with our team, just something that, uh, you know, I, I haven't found where I want to fit it, how it fits into my system. The one place I've used it a good amount is our uh, our guys coming back from injuries. Okay. Right? So that's a great time, especially if we can't load them yet. Let's do a ton of isometrics. Um, obviously for the rehabbing piece, but also, you know, if you can't, if you have a shoulder injury and we can't load you yet, then let's do some isometric split squats and things like that too. Let's really just try and try and cook you. The other place I'll use it is our, um, I got a bunch of guys with like jumper's knee or tendonitis and things like that. Um, so we'll take them off of any um, intensive plyometrics. So any like serious jumping, you know, ankle jumps and little jumps like that, like those are fine. Um, but for the most part, anytime we do loaded jumps or box jumps, uh, those things, they, they don't respond well, especially if the tendonitis is kind of acting up. So, I'll take them out of that and I'll put them in kind of the, the isometric group where we'll do a ton of, uh, what's his name, Jake Tura. Um, he's kind of, the, he's the, the guy I look at for, for the tendons and the isos and things like that. But um, we'll do split squats. We'll do um, single leg, leg extensions. We'll do um, what they call them, the Spanish squat. We'll do some isometrics like that. And uh, even, even wall sit isos and things like that play around with all those and, and just get them away from jumping for a little bit. Okay. 
And it's honestly, it's the guys that are all like 38, 39, 40 inch vertical guys. I'm like, all right, I don't need you to do that week in and week out. I know that it doesn't feel good. So um, take a couple of weeks. Let's feel better first. And then, you know, they're competitive guys though. So when they see somebody else creep up to their numbers, they come back down and humble them. So <laughs> well, I, I get it. I get it, coach. So that's, yeah. Now, the other thing I noticed on there that I haven't touched on yet is the eight vector system. That was part of your um, presentation there. I mean, you, can you kind of go in detail on how you use that and why you use that? You know, I, I hope uh, at some point I get an affiliate link. <laughs> Nick and Jordan over at Elon, conference rivals, but, you know, I love their stuff. And and, and as a staff, you know, I, I, I really... I look up to what they do because they're, they're not only, you know, they're a conference rival. They could keep all their seats and whatnot, but I mean, they book out with phenomenal information. And if you don't have it, I recommend like going out and get it. Even if you're a football coach and you're trying to understand like, okay, I'm in charge of, of conditioning and speed work this summer. Like, what can I do? Um, it's more than just, you know, field work. They have everything in there. It's their whole system and philosophy, which is a phenomenal resource. Um, but I've been using the Invector stuff for, for a good while. And I think I was kind of using it wrong early on. And uh, once they put that book out, it really solidified some things for me. What I lost the question in my train of thought though. What about the- It's kind of like, how do, you, how, how do you, why and how do you apply that? Cause I saw some of that on your okay. presentation, but okay. like, obviously you're not like, I mean, you're pulling and meshing to what you philosophically believe. But I, I think I've seen it once before. But I had, but then I saw, but like the book, I don't know if I'd gone into it, but then I saw your presentation. It was mentioned there. Then I saw some of the drills you did with it and it got me intrigued. So long story short, right? The, the concept behind the A-Vector is we need to sprint and shuffle and move in a variety of, of different directions, right? There's obviously straight ahead. There's cutting and turning straight back, you know, hey, maybe it's a screen and you need to retrace. Um, you know, 45 degree angles up, 45 degree angles back, 90 degrees flat across. Um, and the idea is if you hit kind of those eight main vectors, you know, up, up, flat, flat, corner, corner, up and back. Um, if as long as you hit all of those in various shapes and forms, if you hit an angle on the field in between those, you're probably going to be fine. Right. But if all you do is you do track workouts where you just sprint straight ahead, sprint straight ahead, sprint straight ahead. You don't work any other planes of motion. Um, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice when you get on the field and you have to make a cut at a certain angle. Um, so we'll play around with our jump training in all of those vectors. We'll play around with our, um, even our med ball throws. Take one step on a 45 and throw that med ball. Take one step 90 degrees and throw that med ball. Um, we're kind of pushing and cutting out of those different angles. And then the way I, the way I kind of mix some of that stuff in, and I'll use the summer, for example, I, I combine it with, um, called The Grid, which is a Brian Keegan. He's out at um, Southern California now. They were at Oklahoma before that. Um, his, I believe, he was at a high school as well. And uh, it's kind of where he put it together. He was a high school strength coach first and put it together there. Super simple. Cones, I might do seven or eight lines. I'll do five yards apart from the goal line to the 20. So it just looks like a giant field of cones everywhere. Um, you know, I love getting out there early and setting them up and that's my favorite part of the day, putting all the cones out. And uh, we'll do a ton of pre-programmed drills in there. Um, you know, I'll use the exact example we did today. Today was um, on the whistle sprint, 
next whistle you hear, you're going to decelerate as quick as you can. Um, don't anticipate the whistle. So I'll let the guy sprint and then we're working on deceleration. So we'll do one or two reps there. Then we'll go today. We did um, shuffle across into a crossover backwards run. Um, did a couple reps of that each way. So we did shuffle right, cross over the left. We did the opposite. Um, we did some back pedal work in there and we added a little bit of weave and you know, our, our big guys get a hoot and holler out of that, seeing them try and back pedal. Because you know what? Like you gotta be an athlete too. Um, and then we do the classic football coach. Hey, you got four cones. I'm gonna point to one, point to one, point to one. And uh, the way we use it is, is it bridges the gap between the speed session for the day and the warm up. Um, at football practice, we call it tempo period, where right after the warm up, we're going four to six plays, offense versus defense, kind of hot. And uh, I started to mimic that with our speed sessions. You know, our coaches want right after the warm up, you got to be hot, ready to go. So we use our, our grid system and our eight vector stuff of can you pay attention? Can you go hard right now? Can we start the day on the right foot? Um, and then after that, we'll get some water and we'll get into, you know, the three stations that I kind of talked about earlier. On a linear day, you might see more straight ahead type cone drills. On, you know, a Friday or a Thursday, you might see more change direction, stuff like that that we did today. It's a way to, for me to kind of like mix in some of the stuff I may not be getting throughout the week because there's so many things I want to do. I want to do crossovers. I want to do shuffles. I want to, you know, I want to sprint, I want to ray, I want to mix all that in. And, and the grid combined with the eight vector stuff um, has been awesome in terms of a mixed bag of all these things I want to do. Um, the only thing you're limited on in that is your creativity. That's another person where when you go on Brian Keegan's Instagram and you see his guys in Southern California, I usually hit screen record and then I just watch his entire story and I keep track of all the different things they're doing. Then I go back later and I draw them out. And I'm like, oh man, I can totally see where that fits in. So um, yeah, that eight vector phenomenal book, Jordan and Nick over at Elon, phenomenal stuff there. And then Brian Keegan's with his grid stuff out of Southern California, two awesome people. Again, we're all just stealing ideas from each other and, and, and putting the soup together. So. And then I'm going to ask you the, the same last question I asked Joey, because I, I feel like it's a good question to ask all strength coaches. Um, do you have it like, cause I don't want to phrase this. Do you have any recommendations, especially for high school or college GAs on book recommendations for strength and strength, conditioning, speed, power development? Is there anything that you kind of like, Hey, this is kind of my gold standard or, Hey, this is where I took a lot of things from. It can be one book. It could be five books. It's up to you. I'm trying to think. I mean, I definitely learning from those people and learning from all their resources, I think is great, especially if they have any, you know, you said you, you watched my presentation a couple of times. I appreciate that. But if those guys had any presentations, I think that's great. Uh, I'll just grab this book because it's right next to me right now. Um, Tim Wendler's 531 Forever for a young coach. Uh, you know, I think it's awesome. And and I still use 531. I think 531 is a great system. But I think when you read that book, you understand that like Jim Wendler's a really smart guy and there's more to it than just going, all right, 531 and a money set. Um, it teaches you about, you know, accumulation phases, intensification phases of building out more than just, okay, the next three weeks, this is what it's going to look like. Um, you know, there's, there's other great books out there. I don't want to recommend anything too deep because at the end of the day, it's, 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 
those things are great, but 90% of the time you don't get to use all those things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the five, three, one, you're going to use the rest of your life. You're going to put programs together all the time that have basic, you know, one to five rep range and the accessories aren't going to change meat and potatoes because that's what gets results. So learn those stuff, get really good at that. Watch other people, watch how they coach. Um, and then you know, obviously be a good person. I mean, all those types of books, the John Gordon type books is as silly as they are. Um, I think some of those books are great. There's another, another, I just keep books on my desk. You're good. You're good. You're good. I don't read them, but people think I read them. You know what I mean? This is another one. Um, Burn Your Goals by um, Joshua Metcalf. He's got a, um, he's a good, he's got a good series of books. He's got a couple of books. You know what? It's that John Gordon motivational kind. I like going through this book and finding maybe a lesson or two that I can, can talk to the guys about. Because uh, I think that's an important piece too is, is I'm, one of the only voices they hear this summer and and we talk about goal setting all the time we talk about you know why we're doing all this stuff and nobody needs to constantly kind of be that reminder and be that voice for them and and if you just come in and and i'm guilty of this of just punching the clock hey let's do the work let's let's improve our bodies let's get better um and and, and that's all fine and dandy and there's days where you just got to come in and get the work done but you know sometimes it's it's good to also be that motivational person and have that reminder um, of what we're doing and why we're doing it for. So those are a couple of good books. Okay. I appreciate you coach uh, coaches. Uh, his Twitter will be in the bio. Give coach a follow his that Canva presentation. I was also talking about is also linked on his bio on Twitter. Check that out. Um, like share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz, uh, check out our sponsor coach pad. Um, and that was another episode of the gap down backer podcast.